Warning. The following broadcast may contain content that is unsuitable for children and sensitive individuals. This is Port Brenton's Almanac, a bi-weekly broadcast of weird fiction and strange futures. I'm your host, Port Brenton. It begins now. Episode 3, Voicemail. Conducting a gang meeting on the left, they're armed with guns, lined up military style, and out of the citizen, not the permanent cell Stevens resident, sounds of a struggle on the phone, and the phone is disconnected. 653 on Law Apartment 606. Oh, 104. I'm a 32. 32. Death investigation at St. Bernard's in the ER, looking for a 76 year old female. Didn't give her name. <coughs> oh, sorry. Welcome back to the Bunker of Love. I'm your host, Paul Brenton. I have to apologize for the long radio silence. A series of exceptionally bad things happened to me that postponed this broadcast. But it comes with a story as well. So, you get two for one this week. Is that cheering I hear? Ah, no. It was screams. Just screams. Always screams. <sighs> Alright, so here's what I've been up to, or down with, the last few weeks. So, like I told you last time, I was planning on setting up a base, a beachhead if you will, at the bottom of the shaft. With a little bit of work and a metric crap load of climbing, I set up a spare cot down there in the pump room. Supplies for a week, hand crank radio... Of course, the radio couldn't pick up any signals down there, but I wasn't thinking at the time. I was just excited. It was going to be like camping inside. I guess I was essentially building a really neat fort that my mom could never tell me to take down. I was stoked. It was going to be great. I left the hatch open longer than I ever had when I was making trips up and down. The shaft had gotten rather... uh, damp from the moisture I was letting in from upstairs. The last thing I had to bring down was a big battery pack and a bundle of blankets and a towel. I had all that junk strapped to my back with paracord. I should have taken two trips, man. Two trips and I'd have been fine. I screwed up and I'm glad I'm alive. Shit, if I had a dollar for every time I had to say that, I guess it still wouldn't matter. So, I'm climbing down that last trip, probably 60, 80 pounds on my back, and a loop of the paracord gets caught on a bolt sticking out the side of the shaft. I don't notice until I'm taking an extra long step down over a missing rung. The paracord pulled tight around me, and thankfully I picked up the good stuff because it didn't break. Bad news was, my left arm was twisted around my back because I didn't do the best job tying everything up. I was hanging from a pinch point in my armpit, being choked by my own goddamn arm, and the soft blankets and towel on my back compressed, letting more slack in the cord over my right shoulder, which, at that angle, began choking me out. I could feel my arm trying to separate from my body. Then, it dislocated. My legs were dangling. The cord was so thin and strong and merciless. I regretted the knots I had tied. Everything was getting fuzzy and dark. I pushed off against the wall and got my feet back on the rung. I was too weak to pull myself higher and get unhooked. 
I was making embarrassing gasping noises now. <sighs> Wish I had it on video, it would have been a good laugh. At that point, I had two choices. Hang there and die like an asshole, and have some goddamn alien archaeologist find me in a hundred years and waste a whole college education puzzling over why this asshole dressed like an army man hung himself in a maintenance shaft with a power supply tethered to his ass. Or two, get my knife out of my pocket and cut that cord. Hope for the best. My fingers were already getting numb on my unpinned arm when I grabbed the knife from my pocket. I felt it slip out of my hands, just there, for one second. I died, then I was alive again. I caught the latch and flipped it into the palm of my hands. I glad I didn't cut my own goddamn neck, but the blade zipped through the cord that was hung up, and I was free. I felt all the slip knots on my back loosen up, and the blankets drop away. They'd be fine. Even though I was free, every bit of me was so numb that nothing could do its damn job. My fingers slipped, my feet went weak. I plummeted soon after the blankets. It must have been a hundred feet up, I guess. The falling felt like forever. Unfortunately, it was not, in fact, forever. The goddamn battery was still tethered to my back by a series of, I had hitherto assumed, rational knots. Before I could grab back on, the battery, tethers and all, got caught between another rung. The wind got squeezed out of me. I was hanging again, troubled by the fact that I could suffocate or plummet to my death before lunchtime. A problem I suspect I could share with a number of my listeners. Thankfully, for a goddamn change, I'd knotted the battery on my back with a strong but quick-to-release sheep shank across my waist. Before shit started getting dark on me again, I pulled the knot loose and tried to spin around to catch myself and slow down. I was still so messed up that my numb fingers would not hold on. The rungs were too slipped to grip. I fell one last time. When I landed, it felt like a big fat fist square in the back. To this day, I have no idea how that towel landed in just the right place to provide me with a migraine rather than a skull fracture. Surprise doesn't cover it. I was amazed. I was about to let out a little cheer in my random triumph when the battery whistled down from above and crushed my left ankle. My favorite ankle. The one with the anarchy sign tattoo I gave myself when I was 20. The battery was undamaged, but my ankle was in bad shape. I could barely move it, and when I tried, my whole body would scream like a little girl. It was about an hour before I could focus enough to drag myself over to my fort. The pain had died down a little, but I still couldn't use my foot. I cracked open a book and prepared to recuperate. Well, a week and a half later, I'd read everything I brought with me and was almost out of food. I splintered the injured ankle with duct tape and was able to climb back up to the main bunker, slowly. Once again, I'm going to have to recover before I explore the lower levels. I'm pretty pissed about it, but at least I know that my setup down there will work out. I made a walking stick out of a piece of conduit to help me get around, and it makes me look pretty badass if I do say so myself. Like a world-weary traveler in a deserted wasteland, it'll probably come in handy when I finally go topside. Anyhow, enough about me. On with the story. 
This one's a real tearjerker. It's called voicemail. And I suggest you don't leave your phone on silent. To listen to your messages, press 1. Center. 
people kept looking at me, saying, El Nuevo Servitor. All their eyes were squeezing into one somehow. All their hands turned into one huge friggin' hand, pushing me in exactly the direction I didn't want to go. This thing in my head kept getting louder, and the closer they pushed me to the shrine, I could hear anything but the buzz in my head like this voice under it, saying words I couldn't understand, not English, not Spanish. Right around the shrine, there were these four old ladies, all dressed in black. Uh, there was something wrong with their eyes, maybe. Too small, too dark. They grabbed me and turned me around. I couldn't move. Ah, shit. Jamie, I, I gotta hurry. I, I gotta call, I'm gonna call you from another payphone, and I, if I can actually find one that works. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. Stay inside. Stay safe. End of message. To save this message, press 1. You have one new message. To listen to your messages, press one. Jamie, Jamie. I might not be on too long this time, so listen. They pushed me to the shrine and I puked. I'm sorry, baby, I puked all over the place. I know you're gonna think your big tough cop pushed out on you. Oh, but see, that shrine took it all out of me. They even had a bucket right next to it that was already half full, so I just let go. At the bottom of the shrine, there was a hot, stinking patch of tar. I lost it when I saw that there was a goddamn face in it. Not the way you can kind of see faces and things. Like when people saw Jesus in the water stains under the highway underpass. There was this awful, twisted face coming out of the tar. And it was moving and talking. <laughs> the old ladies were all around me, baby. And I don't know how they did it, but... All of them pulled me down up to my knees. I must weigh more than all of them together, but these old broads pulled me down and they pushed my head down to that nasty freaking face and held me there. It started laughing in my ear like a maniac, telling me awful things. Tar bubbling up from its mouth and nose and its eyes. I couldn't block it out, Jamie. They wouldn't let me turn away. I don't know how to say it, but I felt myself changing. Everything was changing. I, I, I'm sorry, baby. I can't come home no more. I just... End of message. Next message. I'll try to see you again at least once. You're going to... <coughs> You're not going to recognize me, but please don't be scared. I'll use our code word, you know. Don't be scared, Jamie. Stay at home. Get out of the city. I don't know.
know. If you can do that now, if the cops will let you, but try. Thanks. You should be safe enough with your mom's up in Kenosha, maybe. Stay strong. Tell mom I'm sorry. And then I was an okay guy. I don't know. Till I see you. I don't know. End of message. To save this message, press 1. You have no new messages. To replay messages, press 3. God damn it, Jamie. I know you never answer boys' calls, so I'm not even mad. Uh, but I, I guess I hoped you'd pick up just this once since... my story. I hope you heard it. I'm going to keep the chit-chat down to a minimum here at this broadcast. I'm already running long. I'm going to get back to resting my ankle. Maybe do a little tinkering. There's a reel-to-reel tape machine here that I'd like to get working. I'm getting tired of the music on my laptop. I should have thought ahead and stole more music before the world ended. Hindsight and all that. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is poor Brenton. Have a nice life. Poor Brenton's Almanac is a production of Holy Cool Press. All content, including words, music, and voice, were created by Brenton Harper Murray, unless otherwise noted. Poor Brenton's Almanac is protected by a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License, which means you can copy it and share it, just don't sell it. <laughs>